0: I'm Lindsay with Wild Root Flower Company. And I'm Shannon from Bloom Hill Farm. Over the last six years, we've leaned on each other as we grew our farms
1: into the profitable six-figure farms they are today. We want you to join us each week as we have real, honest conversations about life and business. And we promise you'll leave feeling inspired and your farming toolbox will be filled with actionable strategies you can implement at any stage in your business. Learn from our mistakes as we talk business marketing, and
0: growing techniques to help you create the farm of your dreams. So let's roll up our sleeves
1: and get the dirt on flowers. Hey guys, welcome back for today's episode. We have a um, special guest on the podcast today. Yeah. So today um, we're going to be talking about soil health. So if you're thinking it's going to be a snoozeworthy episode, <laughs> stick around. I promise you're going to be You won't be disappointed. I was going to say you are going to be disappointed. You won't be disappointed. So, joining us today is my dear friend, our county extension agent, Marcus McCartney. Marcus, welcome.
2: Oh, hello, Lindsay. Thanks for having me out today.
1: Yeah, Marcus and I are actually sitting in the same room. So Mm -hmm. normally we have a guest that is via Zoom, but we're (laughs) sharing a mic today. So. We
2: are. Go. OSU doesn't have this type of technology.
1: <laughs> 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 and of course, Shannon. Shannon's here. Hi, yes, Shannon.
0: I am here. Hi.
1: Via Zoom. So um, so today I, we're going to be discussing soil health. Um, and I honestly could not find a more passionate person to talk to you about soil than Marcus. So um, <laughs> I'll tell you a, little, a quick story. Um, we do a lot of work together just throughout the year, we do, he teaches um, master gardener programs. And so I'll come in as a guest speaker and he comes in sometimes as a guest speaker for my workshops that we do in the spring. So we have a lot of, um, we try to find ways Mm -hmm. to partner up and, um, you know, kind of promote agriculture in our community. So when I told him that I was starting a podcast, um, I was excited to tell him because I know he likes education. And I said, Mm -hmm. it's called the dirt on flowers. And he was like, dirt it's soil. So, so. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like it's cute. It's catchy. No, and, yes. um, so, But he like, de- dirt is a, like, it's a curse word to this guy. So um, he, uh, you can't say it. So I, I always no. like to throw that in, but he was That's dirt. It's soil. <laughs> it's very so they can't be used
0: it. interchangeably?
1: No. What's this, the, this what would you say is the difference? Say. What is that? <laughs> oh, tell them the difference. Tell them what the difference no, is. What's oh, the difference?
2: Between soil and dirt is mm-hmm. soil is what's in the ground and dirt is what's in your house that yeah. is the, or <laughs> in your fingernails. That is the difference. <laughs> so dirt is technically the slang for
1: soil. Okay. Soil is the yeah.
2: technical term that we like to I use. I got it. Yeah, got it. Yeah, we don't play dirt. That's like, like I say, that's the name we don't say. We don't say. He's very (laughs) offended
0: by it. Very. That is too much. Well, I Mm -hmm. think when we get into farming, especially like we're all the newbies are kind of like into it for the pretty flowers. So I really do think, you know, at the beginning of our farming journeys, that I would say soil health is like, dare I say, last on the list, you know, when you're just trying to get up and (laughs) going. I don't mean to offend. I really but really I think um, you know, we can really do a lot for our farms and ourselves by investing in it. So honestly, I'm so excited to learn from Marcus today too, because this is the first time I actually got to meet him
1: virtually. Yeah. Yeah. It's a um it I think you're right. We're all we get caught up in the farming world because what we do is yeah. so pretty. And it's just kind of yes. like well, it's kind of like some of the other episodes we've talked about with like business things, and it you don't think about like when you're starting a flower farm, you're thinking about like, what varieties can I grow and how to, who who am I selling to? But really soil health is where you should start. So I think um, if you want to hit the pause button on this, don't, because you're, this is really um, as something that gives you a solid foundation. So
2: I like to have a good, good analogy when it comes to soil health. So a lot of farmers, especially first time farmers, you have that vision, in your head and your mind, what you want to do. The same thing with like with homeowners. Say someone's building a brand new home, they're visioning what they want that home and what the property, what, what they want it to look like. Well, the first place you're gonna start when building your new home is obviously is gonna be the foundation, right? You're not gonna start with mm-hmm. the roof, you start with the foundation and work your way up. Same thing with with, with soil. You want this big, beautiful flower farm or a vegetable farm, whatever it is. Same thing. You got to start with the soil and work your way up because it is the foundation that will make or break your business.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Marcus, like, I guess, give us like your background and mm-hmm. how you found your way to the agriculture world so people can kind of like hear your background.
2: <clears throat> so I'm originally from West Virginia. Um, Farming has been in my family's um, way of life ever since I was little. Actually, my parents, when they got older, my mom was a nurse and my dad was a postmaster. So I'm actually first generation removed from a farm. But myself and all my siblings have found our way back. But my father and his 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 parents, they grew up in the rural mountains of West Virginia, where farming just wasn't a way for business. So they didn't farm for business. They, they farmed to survive. Um, they everything they grew, they consumed whether it's chicken or beef or, or or vegetables or fruits, they consumed right there on the farm, and that's just how they survived from day to day. And on my mom's side, it's a little bit different. You know, they had jobs off the farm. Uh, they're more in that higher river valley, and so they just had a big beef operation. That's what my grandpa did a lot of farming and, and hay and hay production. So that was a little bit about my background. But we've always been involved with, with the horticulture of garden growing, growing crops since I was little. Um, I was probably about 12 years old when I moved off the farm in, in, into town. But even in town, we still had the, the biggest garden the, the, there was. And so that just kind of carried over that passion with the plants, watching things grow. It's just, it's just, just my calling. I had uh, some other jobs and it just wasn't fulfilling. And then being outdoors, working with farmers and you know, working with the soil, working with plants, working with bugs, insects, you know, it, it's fun. And that is fulfilling. And that's kind of, I've kind of found my way back into the agricultural world. And plus, you know, it's, I like to help. And in this position, Mm -hmm. you know, I have the opportunity to to help individuals and that is more rewarding than any paycheck It's just helping someone answering Mm -hmm. a question or helping with their business, whatever it is. And that's, that's what I like the most about this job is the opportunity to help individuals.
1: So, and I will, Mm -hmm. I will echo that because he um, you're just received a state award,
2: I did. We haven't announced it oh, yet, very but it's probably cool. not,
1: it's after the fact. Yep. So <laughs> Yeah. And let me say that very I cool. don't know anyone who is more passionate about their job and helping people um, than you are. I mean you're great. But yeah, he just you received like the OSU. Well what is it? Yeah, you, so it's
2: sure? a OSU. I was a state. Master Gardener Coordinator of the Year for 2022.
1: Mm -hmm. So very cool. Yeah. All right.
0: Head
2: to Cleveland here this weekend to to pick up my award. So I'm I'm really excited for that. Yeah, and you deserve it. It's very deserved.
1: So your you went to your um, bachelor's degree and master's degree is from um, WVU, right? It it is
2: from WVU, and it's talk about what
1: that is, like what your okay. So Mm -hmm. so
2: my undergrad degree is just normal. As an 18, 20 year old kid, you don't know what you really want to do, right? You're trying to figure that, especially the, the males. We, we, we mature a little bit slower than you females, it seems like. Um, yeah. 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 That's, that's for sure. <laughs> that. um, but, you know, so I have business management. It was my degree. It wasn't really, mm-hmm. it was really calling, you know, I was working in chemical plants after I graduated, basically. And then I kind of got tired of that. So I went back to, to get my master's in, in an area where I can be outside, where I can help people, where I can be around plants. And agriculture fit right into that. So I did a lot of soil classes in my master's. Um, I, was, I did a little re- soil research on reclaimed surfaces, working with biofuels and like miscanthus and switchgrass, um, as well as being um, just, just a teacher, um, I, I would say, I don't know if assistant's. But, you know, I, I taught class at WVU for for the FFA Ag Kids up there. So it was really cool. But but the soil is definitely my passion. That's why I stuck with I worked in the soil lab at WVU for a couple of years, and that was a great experience. Um, it's, it's, it's great. WVU is, if, if you have listeners from uh, live in West Virginia, I recommend sending all your samples to WVU because it's one of the last places in, the, in America where you can send free samples. So it's a free service for residents of West oh. Virginia, but they won't take outside Very the cool. state because it is free. So uh, a lot of times I may send 20 samples up there and use my sister's address. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to West Virginia, like, all right, I'm just paying for shipping. That's all I got to pay for. And I'm going to get all the information.
1: So, you're that cheap,
2: huh? I am that frugal.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> so um, let's talk about like. We talked about it being the foundation, but why should the listeners really care about soil management on their farm? So just Yeah, I mean,
2: without soil, this is be honest. I mean, humans wouldn't be here today if we didn't have soil. It is a kind of a natural resource. I would not say it's renewing because it takes hundreds of years for soil to develop. Um, you know, a lot of times it's been speculated that one of the fall of the Aztec civilization was a mismanagement of their soil. So soil is very important for us. Um, You know, in the manager, you're trying to grow a plant, you know, you're going to put it in the ground. You want that ground, you want that environment to be as healthy as possible for that plant. You don't want to put something in a situation where you want to go live in a house that has a bunch of holes in the roof. You know, has no plumbing, nothing works. You know, same thing for a plant, you want to put a plant in the ground where the pH is way off, we'll talk about, there's no nutrients, there's no organic matter, which we'll talk about. And that plant's just going to struggle. It's not going to thrive. And that's the goal is creating healthy soils where your plants thrive. Mm-hmm. And I can talk a little bit about, and we get more into the details about the microbes aspect. But, but the goal mm-hmm. is to get your plants to thrive. And I'll talk about, well, maybe I'll bring it up now. So kind of my theory for, for soils, um, for every, just a bottle cap of water, that you had, there are more mic- of soils of soil. There's more microbes in that soil than people on planet Earth. So to me, soil oh, is a wow. living ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So my philosophy is I want to make that ecosystem thrive. If that ecosystem is thriving and healthy, my soil is going to be healthy. If my soil is healthy, the plants I put in there, they're going to grow and they're going to produce for me. Mm-hmm. It's all just, you know, it's, it's, it's just building, building up one after the other, you know, like that ecosystem. So the soil is not dead. It is a living ecosystem in, in, my, in my view.
1: And for us in return is money. You know, that 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 health of the soil, I mean, it really, you know, one of the, Marcus had helped me, and I don't know if we'll get into this later, but I can talk about it now. But one of the things that shifted my attention was um, our Yupik. You know, we had really the plants, we had planted our Yupik and we planted our production field at the same time. This was last year was when I really kind of came to my attention that the flowers in the Yupik just weren't doing as well. They weren't producing as much. Um, they were delayed. So we should have been picking the 1st of July. We didn't open until the 18th of July. So Marcus came out, kind of helped me. We did some soil testing and we really looked through those results and realized like I had some major issues. And I thought, why did I not look at that beforehand? You know, he scolded me, shamed me, really, is what it was. Uh, shamed a lot. I actually, do. I really so. do. I don't know why. We're friends. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just, and then this year with the work that we did, which we'll talk about here in a bit, um, you know, we were able to open um, a lot sooner.
0: So I think when a lot of us are starting our farms, we're just trying to like get crops in and get it going so that we can make money. So if like a brand new farmer and I like really empathize with this because that was literally my husband and I like six years ago, um, if they walked into your office and said, hey, I have this plot of land and I'm completely starting from scratch, I guess where is like the first what would you give as their first step to give them some direction on where to go from there?
2: You know, the first step, this happens quite a bit. You know, the situation happens quite regularly. And so mm-hmm. my, I have a few questions I like to ask. One is, what do you want to grow? What, what's your mm-hmm. goal? What do you want to try to produce? And then the second question I ask, well, what's your management? Are you going to be organic or non-organic? Mm-hmm. And then that helps me to know which what recommendations to go with. And then, of course, my third question is, is let's start planting and let's start soil testing because that should be your first step before grow anything is is your soil test. So our our tagline that we say all the time is don't guess, test. And I have been mm-hmm. on farms um where someone wanted to grow a crop, say for example lavender, didn't do any research, didn't do anything, just bought a bunch of lavender from from Walmart or Lowe's and they planted it, if in two months the whole crop was dead, you know, cuz they didn't soil test, they oh, didn't no. do the research into mm-hmm. the plant and know what the plant needs. And, you know, so that's, that's, that's mostly, you know, new farmers have to do their homework as well. You know, you have to, you have mm-hmm. to know what, what you want to do. Um, I can't make decisions for you. That's I can help mm-hmm. guide you, but it's going to be your vision and your desire to, to make it happen. And so I can just direct you to soil testing and, and the information mm-hmm. that you need for those plants. But yeah, first for, first off, soil testing is always one yeah. of the first things. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, how many tests do you, do you recommend that people run based on their acreage? Or is it like diff- testing different plots? Or how do you give guidance there?
2: Uh, That's a great question. So we actually can break it up many different ways. One is management style. Um, Topography is a way as well, but if you have one flat field and you have two different crops in that flat field, they're both Mm -hmm. managed differently. So typically if it was one whole field, like a row crop, we'll soil test that whole entire field. But since we have two separate crops that are managed different, we're going to take two separate samples and samples Mm -hmm. by that means say if you have an acre, so I'm thinking 15 to 20 random borings, a little plugs for your soil probe or, or a little spade, a little slice, slice of soil, you know, 15 to 20 random borings throughout your throughout your plot. And then we mix all those together and pull a cup out. And then we send that to the lab. And once the results come back, we sit down and we start planning more. We start getting a, a nutrient plan in place.
1: So on my farm, we soil tested like specifically in the Pick, and then we soil tested mm-hmm. other areas and we labeled those and sent them in separately. And then what happened was we got some mm-hmm. really funky skewed results up top. And so he came back out. Um, we I wanted him to look at it to give me some recommendations is why he came out. But we um, actually broke the top field down into smaller sections because mm-hmm. we were like, man, some of these seem really skewed and we wanted to dial it down a little bit more and get more specific. So um, it's just been, and we're, we're going to be sending some more soil tests off. um, Is there a recommended time that you should be soil testing for people?
2: Uh, You know, like, so uh, WVU soil lab, uh, even in Ohio state, the most common time people do soil tests is in the spring, right before Mm -hmm. they start planting. The best time is the fall, you know, right right when you get a crop off, your field's going to be at the lowest at that nutrient. So Um, that is the best time to soil test because typically we like the fall, uh, like the lime in the fall, Mm -hmm. which lime adjusts your pH. And this way, and we fertilize in the spring, this way that lime has time to start reacting in the soil. And so hopefully come uh, springtime, your pH is right where it should be. And, you know, pH in your soil, that and organic matter is one of the two of the most important aspects of your soil that you can um, hopefully improve. You know your pH. If your pH is so low and or so high, you know we mm-hmm. you know we we'll talk about pH. So se- seven's neutral. Uh, it's it on a scale from one to fourteen. Seven being neutral. Anything above seven is going to be alkaline. Anything below seven is going to be acidic. Most of our plants like a little bit of acidic. So the sweet spot's around six five six eight for your for your pH. If you're between six and seven, you're doing pretty good. Um, <clears throat> but when we start dropping below six, getting to the fives know, right around 5.0 exactly or below five, we start getting above 7.5. Nutrients will actually start getting bound to the soil particles. You might have the fertilizer there, but those nutrients are getting tied up to the soil. And then they're not even being released for your plants to even take them in, take those nutrients in. And so that's why we say correct pH, then fertilize. So if you got your pH right in that sweet spot, most of the nutrients will be available. They will not get tied up in the soil solution, bound to the soil particles.
1: Mm-hmm. This way you're,
2: you're more efficient with your fertilizer. So I always say correct pH, then fertilize.
0: So I know when we received our soils soil test back, it's always like <laughs> this like crazy, like hieroglyphics of information. So um, are you being like the 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 county educator i think people like do you recommend that they seek out um their county's um extension agent or educator um to help translate that because it really is it's like for me it's like okay i i see all of this but like what does it mean for my farm and i think the translation is where like we have to fill in that gap
2: absolutely that's a great point that you brought up um it is. It, it can be confusing. Labs are trying mm-hmm. to make it more user friendly, but still a lot of numbers. And what do those numbers mean? You know, mm-hmm. I think OSU, we should be the first stop for any soil testing over any co-ops or ag stores or, or anywhere other organizations. Because I know when I sit down with my clients, we have a soil test. I try to go above and beyond. So I break down the soil test results, and mm-hmm. I have products. I have liming products. I got fertilizer products because I think mm-hmm. as I can explain it, if I can show them a label of a lime bag or the label of a fertilizer bag, it really helps them understand even more so than just me just just the same things. But yes, they should seek yeah. out go to the extension office. You mm-hmm. know, get that help and get that guidance. That's what we're here to do. You know, we're here to provide provide that information.
1: Yeah. And you've helped me with my soil. I mean, he goes over them with me. I actually was just searching on my phone to try to pull those up. Those are my results from, that was the lower, one of the lower fields. I think that was from when we did in June or August, that was we were retesting some different stuff.
2: Yeah, I can't see that without my glasses.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Age now,
2: right. And oh. you know Before your eyesight start going.
1: Yeah, in. that's right. Can we hold it out here? Can we hold it? <laughs> yeah, you're you know you? about
2: five feet away from. Oh, okay. it. Okay, yes. all
1: right. Well, um, my pH was. Um, A five, five is when we were looking in that. So one of the things Mm -hmm. was he had recommended was lime for us to adjust that. And, um, one thing that you taught me that I was not aware of is when actually just by adjusting the pH that the, um, your nutrients in the soil become more available.
2: Yes. Do you want to explain that? Yes. So a lot of times your soil test, you know, your basic soil test, they are testing your available nutrients. Okay, you also have potential nutrients that the tests are not picking up. So um, just by say her, her pH and her example was 5.5. Five. If she did nothing but added lime, then came back and retest after so many months, she'll and not add any fertilizer. She'll notice that her parts per million of her nutrients went up just because getting that uh, pH where it should be, that soil is releasing those nutrients and it, it will be pit, picked up by the soil test. That's why we say a lot of times, um, you know, um, your, your soil, uh, your liming is like adding almost additional fertilizer because it does release, you know, that those nutrients. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it's, out, now, if it's, no, if your pH is right there, six, five, where it should be, then you're not going to see a difference because it's getting, soil tests are picking up most of those available nutrients.
1: And my organic matter was a two.
2: So two, so organic matter to me, organic matter, like pH and organic matter is the most important thing in your soil. Organic matter does so much. Now hers are the two mm-hmm. ideal soil, uh, organic matters on 5%. I rarely see those at 5% unless like in a raised bed type situation. Um, but 5% is your ideal soil, but you know, um, the organic matter. So I I, I graduated. I talked about, you know, went, went to got my business management. Then I, I worked at worked in the plants for a while and went back to college when I was 30. And then I was back to WVU. So I was traditional. Uh, and then a bunch of traditional students who were like 18, 19, 20, being 30. I was called grandpa. And so they <laughs> called grandpa. And they said, well, you're really smart. I sit in the front this time. My first time around, I wasn't very studious. I sat in the back. It was more of a chore. This time, going back to my master's, I was very studious. I looked at it as an opportunity. So I sit in the front and I was getting all these good grades. And after about two or three weeks, all these young students are sitting around me all the time. They're like, wow, oh, you're so smart. You're getting all these good grades. And I tell them, Look, I'm not smarter than you guys, it's that I'm just not mm-hmm. distracted like you guys yeah. are. And I said, if you would know, <laughs> our last soil quiz, we have a quiz every week out of 10 questions, nine answers were organic, organic matter. You know, you're talking about <laughs> providing the microbes. There's your food for your micro and your macro invertebrates in your soil. Mm-hmm. And there it goes. It helps the porosity of your soil breaks up. If you have sand, it helps bind the sand to so have better soil structure. If you have clay, it helps loosen the clay up so you have better soil structure. Holds water. I mean, it's like a big giant sponge. It holds so much water. Um, and then, you know, from a nutrient standpoint, the organic matter, all those free floating nutrients in your soil its like a magnet. It absorbs those nutrients. So it's, it, so they don't leach through your soil profile. So it's holding on to those nutrients at the same time. It's holding on to those nutrients, but it's also it's organic matter. And so it's made of nutrients. So when it mm-hmm. starts breaking down, it's releasing those nutrients that it's holding on to, and it's releasing the nutrients that it's made out of. So organic matter just does so much. And then whatever you can do to incorporate any organic matter, whether be cover crops, and after, uh, you said you have a nurse speaking about cover crops mm-hmm. or manures or whatever, compost, whatever you can do to increase that organic matter in your soil, you should be doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So when people get their soil tests back, are you giving um, like recommendations as far as what type of amendments to add and when and rate of application and all that kind of stuff too?
2: I, I do. Um, everyone okay. always asks me what, what type of fertilizer
0: yeah well, it, it,
2: you, that one doesn't matter. It just it only matters, what the fertilizer doesn't matter what the labels what if it says for tomatoes or it says for hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomato plants not gonna know that new that nitrogen element is for hydrangea. you know it's mm-hmm. it, it comes down come about the element standpoint of it. What's gonna matter is the percent the percentage of the fertilizer in that bag that you have. And so you on when I say about, when I say the percentage, you know, you have those three numbers. as a guaranteed analysis like triple 12, be 12, 12, 12, or 19, 19, 19, or like one of those lighter ones, like a tone, like mm-hmm. a three, four, five. That three, the first number is always your nitrogen. The second number is always your phosphorus. And that third number is always your potassium. And I look at nitrogen as what's really good for just simple terms, plant growth, vegetative growth. Um, I look at potassium, uh, phosphorus as you know, put it on shoots and, 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 and flowers, you know, especially when you use a flowers, the vegetable put on flowering plants, use a lot of phosphorus. So if you go look at a, a, a bag of fertilizer and it says bloom buster, you're going to notice that second number is really high because we want the, all that phosphorus to you know pick up those flower, that flower production. Mm-hmm. And of course, then potassium is your third number. And that one, I kind of associate that one was like the hardiness of the plant. You know, how well can it survive in, stressful situation, insects or droughts or whatever it's going to be. So those are our big three nutrients and they're always labeled on the bag. So if I have something by the soil amendment that doesn't have those three numbers, then it's not a fertilizer. It's just that, an amendment. So that is the difference between Mm -hmm. two because fertilizers have a guaranteed analysis.
1: Hmm. I don't know that I ever, I mean, I think I knew that, but I don't know that I ever like thought about it in that context. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know we are going to have a full cover crop episode, but if, you know, there's a lot of people that are doing, they're starting these farms on a budget. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know I started out using a lot of compost and we still do for mm-hmm. some, some things specifically, but, you know, can you give some recommendations on ways that people are on a budget to add organic, you know, matter to their soils? Collect
2: everything <laughs> from your farm <laughs> yeah. like leaves leaves fall down that's an mm-hmm. excellent compost. those things and put them on put them on your, put them on your garden If you cut the grass compost it you know and put them on your garden you know obviously you could be re- introducing weed seeds but if you have some type of fabric that you know that shouldn't be a problem anyway um you know and then a lot of times there's organizations like soil and water that will a lot of times have rye you know, still your rye, annual rye that you can get for a fairly cheap rate. So some of those seeds, you know, if you want to put a cover crop down, we call those green manures. You know, they're, they're, they, they can be fairly cheap or they can be fairly expensive. But whatever you can afford, I would I would recommend doing it just to hold those nutrients in place. Hold that topsoil in place. You don't want your topsoil washing away, you know, winding in a mm-hmm. ditch and making its way to the Gulf of Mexico. That's what we don't want. We want your nutrients <laughs> stay in your soil, not <laughs> in the waterways.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it, we, we, we talk about composting, too. So if we do have a bunch mm-hmm. of diseased plants, I would not compost. I would throw those away because you don't want to try to, you know... You got to get temperatures up to 150 degrees in your pile to start killing some of the, some of the, 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 the pathogens. 130, 150 degrees, um, and if you don't ever make it to that temperature and you throw that back on your on your garden, you could be reintroducing those same diseases that you had last year. Especially if you're doing mm-hmm. rotation. Uh, so, if something is disease, do not keep it. Just just trash it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had used our compost this year from mm-hmm. our pile, and I didn't let it turn long enough just one of them and mm-hmm. we have so much celosia seed in there and so we've called oh, it, it like, celosia seed from hell this year it's <laughs> everywhere it's literally a weed i'm like next year i'm not growing a single one not one <laughs> pink celosia is going to be on this damn farm actually. like i'm like over it so it's Like you know in one way we we're like oh it's us plants and then by the you know october yes not. I'm going to set it on fire. <laughs> Cash. So yeah, the, you know that does matter. But yeah, definitely if it's mm-hmm. a disease, that's a great, you know, making sure to not to not do that. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so Marcus, a lot of people use at home soil tests. What what do you what do you think on those? And if you like, aren't okay with them? Is there a better route? I guess what's the preferred route?
2: Uh, well, the at home soil test, if I was going to spend the money for an mm-hmm. at home soil test, I would save the money and send it to a lab because okay. basically you're taking soil, you're putting in a test tube, you're adding some distilled water and you're throwing a pill in there and it's mm-hmm. going to kind of give okay. you this range. I mean, may- Save the money. So you know exactly what your parts per million is. You know what your mm-hmm. organic matter be. You know what your pH is going to be. You know, you know the, the at home pH stuff is, is pretty good. I mean, pH isn't too mm-hmm. too difficult. But when you send your when you send your soil to a lab, I mean, they're going to prep it. We going to do the pH. They're going to put your soil in a little cup, and they're going to put in this little shaker tray, and it's going to put distilled water. It's going to shake for about forty five minutes, and they're going to put a little wand in there and test what your pH is. When it comes to do the nutrients. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a big piece of equipment. It's not a test tube. It's called a, uh, I had it pulled up here, ICP, which is be a Malik three on our soil test. But ICP is inductively coupled plasma spectrometer. A little bit different than a test tube. And this thing is about mm-hmm. the size of, uh, of almost a refrigerator with like a size of something of a, of a dryer attached to it. So they are big and they're going to give you pretty well a, a, a exact results, you know, where your at mm-hmm. home tests. You're still going to be guessing, you know, mm-hmm. even for range, yeah. it gives you a range, but I don't, I question the range, but anyway, it, it's there. I think it's more marketing, you know, cause mm-hmm. I think Lowe's, instead of selling those products, or I should have probably said any businesses. Oh, so it doesn't may,
1: matter. <laughs> okay. Maybe want to edit
2: that out, but any of the big box stores, um, yeah. instead of selling those, they should have a sign that says, send your soil to a lab. Save you save Mm -hmm. your money to the lab, work for for your extension office, and that should be your best way. That's what you should do. Little pH probes are nice. You know, there's sometimes you buy a pH probe and you pay a little bit extra money for a pH probe that has a water moisture indicator on it, too. And so, if extra five bucks, you get it where test we're test the moisture of your water. And I like to tell folks, you know, save that five dollars because you got a built-in water moisture detector on your person, and that's your finger. You <laughs> stick your finger on the ground. Feel <laughs> damp, you're good. Feel dry, <laughs> add water. Right, so <laughs> you don't have to make it no. so complex. We to totally
0: no. test this. Right, we we tend to overcomplicate.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do. Okay, um, okay,
0: so um, as far as, you know, we try not to pick sides here as far as like tilling versus no-till debate, um, but what, I guess, what's your opinion on the impact of soil health with both of those methods?
2: Uh, there's 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 pros and cons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know if this is politically correct analogy or not, but think about like a tornado going through a housing development or a trailer park. All kinds of things get tore up and damaged. And so when you go through and till, you're tilling up all those microbes, whether it be bacteria or, or fungi. And, you know, sometimes they can form these big, long strands of fungus in, in, in your soil, you know, almost microscopic, big, these big, long strands. You're going through and you're breaking all that up. So it's going to take time for those microbes to recover. So when you are mm-hmm. tilling, that that does happen. Um, <clears throat> versus the, and plus, when you do till, you are, you know, unless you get a cover crop down pretty quick and you till, you have loose soil, so now you have potential for erosion to happen and lose your mm-hmm. topsoil unless you try to get a cover crop down fast. Uh, tilling does have good advantages, though. You know, it, I, I, for me, you know, personally, I try to till minimally. I do in the spring, just maybe try mm-hmm. to break the soil up yeah. if, I have, if I have to if it's hard. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the season, the, you know, I break it up, compaction is never good. You don't want that compaction. I think I said the ideal soil is 5% organic matter, Well, also the ideal soil is 50%. Half the soil is pore space. So you definitely want that good fluffy soil. If you do have to till to get that fluffy soil, that's good. But you don't want to sit there and till it till it's like a powder. You know, you want that good structure, like a dirt clod. Like I pick a dirt clod up, I could throw it at Lindsay and hit her in the head with it, which I may do later. But anyway, <laughs> so but but anyway, so and, then, and at the end of the season, every time I like to till, because you do can kind of till some of that plant debris into the soil. And so hopefully you get those microbes breaking that stuff down. If, any, if some might be diseased or put it in the soil, hopefully it breaks down quicker. So there are advantages to to tilling as, as well as, as not tilling. So if you're going to till, but, but you definitely over till and that is not a good thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And with no till, are there, you know, with with regards to like soil health, because because Shannon and I both use tractors. So, mm-hmm. you know, is there a. What are your thoughts on that as far as with the no-till? Is there a management that's different? Like you manage it differently as a no-till with talking about soil structure versus tilling? Because I don't know that other world. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, from from the soil aspect, you know, if you're tilling, you're going to get your nutrients, you're going to get your pH mixed into your soil so you'll have a faster reaction, especially especially if you're lime. I'm sorry, I said pH, but especially if you're lime, you know, where if you don't in a no-till situation, you're just broadcasting on top of your soil, then you have to have time. And environment. So when it's about environment, I mean rain to get it to wash into the soil. So tests take a little bit longer as if you did put the... If you're you're going to till, we put your lime, your nutrients down right before you till, then you know you're getting it mixed in there. And so that is a little bit of a a difference when it comes to adding amendments. You know, Mm -hmm. the tests take longer in a no-till situation, you know. um, And then it's... So so those are pros and cons.
1: So would... I guess is as far as like giving our listeners a piece of advice because I know I, making you talk about soil for only thirty minutes has got to be painful, right? Right. Your yes. in, your energy and intensity, I love it. I'm ready right for three hours. I know. always. this is oh what, wow. When he teaches the yeah. workshop and he teaches uh, the workshop with me. I always tell him, I'm like, you got ten minutes, which well, he always goes twenty. Um, <laughs> we like to say that both of us are just trying to. Star, you know, we're trying to grab the mic from each other, you know, always on that stage when we're talking.
2: And I always lose.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So we, um, but so for, um, the listeners here and talking about giving them a piece of advice, like what is something you would give our listeners to say, like, that's, this would be the takeaway from, from the episode.
2: The takeaway, a couple takeaways, actually just can't be one. So when it comes to our soil. (laughs) compaction is your worst enemy. Do not compact your soil, whatever you do, especially in the springtime, you're getting spring fever. You want to get out there and start planting, but your soil's still wet. Stay off of it. And the second thing is, well, actually two more things is we beat it to death is the pH. Test your pH. Make sure it's right and, and adjust. If it's too high, add sulfur to lower it down. If it's too low, add lime to bring it back up. And then, you know, organic matter. That is your big key in your soil health is, is organic matter. Anything you can do to increase it, I would I'd, I highly recommend it. Absolutely.
1: And you talked to me about different types of lime. Do you have, do you want to share on that? Yeah, there
2: are different types of lime that you can get out there. Um, whether it's calcitic lime or dolomitic lime, those are typically two calcium carbonate based lime products that's mined. Um, depending on the on the rock source, your calcitic lime, you, a lot of times you don't see it as like garden lime, ag lime, barn lime, and it's really white, it's powdery, I like I like a powder, like you like baby powder. Um, it can be hard to spread, you know, but it is really fine, so it does break down and start reacting in your soil pretty pretty quick. It depends if you have good lime or not. We talk about the size of the, of the particles It's a major player, um, and then there's dolomitic lime, which dolomitic lime. Um, a lot of times it's pelletized. You'll see it in pelletized lime, but it does have a little bit more expensive, but it does have more magnesium. Where your calcitic lime will have like 2%, 1%, 3% magnesium. Your dolomitic lime will have 10 or 11 or 12% magnesium. So based on your soil test result, if you're low, uh, your pH is low, and you're low in magnesium, I'm going to recommend not calcitic lime, but dolomitic lime. This way you're getting that magnesium added and plus both of those lime when you lime your dolomitic lime or calcitic lime you're adding both you're adding nutrients to your soil as well you're adding calcium to your soil and you're adding the magnesium to your soil Um, you got to be careful when you start using a different source it's called some people might have heard of hydrated lime hydrated lime is not calcium carbonate it's calcium hydroxide and it is a little bit more potent it's not you know if if i have pure calcium carbonate You know, BSA, say say 100% this product. uh, Hydrated lime would react in the soil. It's like like 137% when it comes to, like, the strength of hydrated lime. So you wouldn't need as much as you would the calcitic lime. Um, So just make sure you know what your lime sources are. And that's on the label. When you buy your lime, It always there's a number called CCE. And that is Calcium Carbonate Equivalency. So you're never going to go find and your soil test will always have your lime recommended in pure calcium carbonate, but you're not going to find pure calcium carbonate. You might find 95% CCE pure calcium carbonate. So you know, what's well, 95%? I had to add 10 pounds. I might add 12 pounds because this product's not 100% CCE. It's only 90% CEC or 95% CEC or CCE. So I got to make up for it. And of course, the other one is the particle size, and this one's on the label too. It's required by law. And so each size of the particle is is a big difference. So you will have a little little table on your bag of lime. It's going to have um, mesh size. Mesh size is the size of a sieve. It will go from 20 mesh to 100 mesh. So 20 mesh is big holes. 100 mesh is little holes. You want that product close to 100% going through 100 mesh as you can because anything that passes through the 20 mesh sieve Will react, 100% of that product will react within the first two years. I don't want to wait two years for it to react. Mm-hmm. I want to react faster. <laughs> Anything that goes through a 60 mesh sieve will react within the first, 100% of that will react in the first year. So that's, that's better. Anything that goes through a 100 mesh sieve, all that product will react in the first six months. So mm-hmm. if I had a product that said went through 75%, went through 100 mesh sieve, that's pretty good. And I want I'd want to find a product that like, 90 to 100% went through a 60 mesh sieve. Then, you know, you got a good product. It's going to react fast. Anything less than 20 mesh, it just takes so long to react. We don't even consider it a liming agent
1: at that right. point. Do you see why I call him and say, wow, hey. I know. I know. And for even just like to understand it. I mean, he yes. explains it to me when I'm in there. I'm like, okay, so wait, how much do I have to use of this again? He's like, that's- it's math, Lindsay. I explained
2: it many times, for Lindsay.
0: <laughs> I mean, There's but the knowledge him. is just like invaluable. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, we could all like learn to like reach out to the other experts. Like we don't have to be the expert and everything. And that's why they're there. Like they're there to help. And mm-hmm. wow. Wow. Absolutely. I took so, many so many notes.
2: Good, There's so many good experts out there. Even mm-hmm. like for me, I, agriculture, horticulture is so diverse. It's so broad. You can't be an expert in all that. So my specialty mm-hmm. is more of the soils. And if I have a question on beef operation or cattle or dairy, yeah, I'm I'm reaching out to some of our other experts because I'm not going to pretend mm-hmm. I'm an expert
1: in that category. Mm-hmm. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah. Well, did we miss anything? I mean, well, I shouldn't ask you that because you're gonna <laughs> say yes, we missed something we missed something Any, anything from the farming perspective of where we're at that we that we didn't cover um
2: I would like to be curious to hear what both of your biggest problems with soil have has been so far, so hmm. Shannon, what has your been your biggest hmm. problem?
1: Look with at soil? him, he's flipping it. he's interviewing us <laughs> I like it I think um so we.
0: We took basically uh, very traditionally farmed acreage um, with, I think it had like hay or alfalfa on it um, with chemicals and all that. And we, we farm on a slope. So we have erosion control has been a huge thing that we've worked with our um, county to control. So that's why we do a lot of grass paths or we do cover crop paths now um, to help. Um, a lot of that uh, essentially the erosion control so we test um every year do you, what Marcus I was gonna ask you do you, do you test every single year or do you think every other is good
2: great question depends on what you're doing if it's for like a okay. pasture or a lawn mm-hmm. three or four years is fine vegetable crops every year you know corn mm-hmm. soybean rotation we're, we're say every other year after the so- mm-hmm. after the corn's off
1: okay so flowers. So we're, we're flower we're, farmers. We're
2: flower. If, if, no. you, if you have a okay, flower <laughs> yes. farmers, if you have an yeah. annual crop, absolutely yeah. test every year. Okay. You know, yeah. If if okay. A maybe every couple of years, you know. Yeah. And
1: I don't know uh, if you said this earlier when he was talking, Chan, but like you said to test in the fall. And that's because you, you explained to me once is that we're at the end of the season and the plants that we have in there have absorbed all of those nutrients. Right. So you're getting what's like.
2: Right, mm-hmm. you're getting what's left what's over. Left. At that okay. point, your your nutrient will be at one of the lowest levels when it comes to plant root intake. Because you know, during the winter, mm-hmm. things still happen. You know, it's still slow, but you still things are breaking down slowly. So if you do test in the spring, you will have a little flush of more nutrients. Than you would in the fall. That's why I like the fall mm-hmm. because that's your lowest level at that point yeah. when your crop first when it when mm-hmm. comes off.
1: Yeah. Sorry, Shan. Yeah. yeah. I re- you can. No, that's redirect. okay. No, that's fine. Yes, yeah, no, a great question. I think for,
0: yeah, um, we were our our main goal was erosion control and then adding organic matter because there was very little. So um we have a local lawn guy who dumps all of his leaves here, and that's been really helpful to have the leaf mulch. So I think our goal is continually cover cropping and add, and adding um, organic matter. For us, it's through leaf mulch because that's pretty much what we can get for free.
2: Is that leaf Um, Do you have any like so leaves have a lot of carbon? Do you are you mixing that mm -hmm. with anything else to to maybe add a little bit more nitrogen?
0: Yeah, we mix it in with our big compost. Okay. Do you recommend that?
2: Well, if the compost is broken down, you should have microbes Mm -hmm. in there. There just should be plenty of nitrogen. You get high carbon stuff like leaves, dry leaves or sticks, especially sticky stuff. Mm -hmm. As the microbes Mm -hmm. are breaking down those Mm -hmm. materials. They need nitrogen to support their life cycle. So after breaking down that high carbon material, they're mm-hmm. not getting the, the nutrients from that, whatever they're breaking down to support their life cycle. So they have to mm-hmm. start using the surrounding nitrogen in the soil. So kind of oh, almost depletes your soil nitrogen if you have a lot of oh. stuff. That's why so it's good what, to good sure to have. Do, yeah,
0: yeah. What do you recommend since we always have this huge leaf pile every fall?
2: Well, if it's working recommend- uh, right now, I wouldn't say don't, don't do too much. But if you okay. don't like to compost it and break it down. Yeah. Um, that'd be, that'd be best if he, so if you got an area, so okay, this, we're going to dump the leaves here this fall mm-hmm. and the next fall, we're going to use those leaves and then as a new batch yes. comes, we're going to put in that area. So it continues to, you know, yeah. have that flow yeah. of putting mm-hmm. the one-year-old mulch on the, on the crops. The new mulch has a year to break down. That would be ideal. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll yeah. be better.
0: Okay. Yeah. And in our greenhouses, we've actually found that the organic, so we've always been like, okay, that's like the highest value crops in there. So we always want to invest in them. We added compost over the years. Well, it turns out from our last test last year is like the organic matter is like very high in there because we've continually added, added, added. So now we're trying to like neutralize it a little bit in there. And and our agent has really helped us with that too. So
2: Yep, absolutely. Every year absolutely. it feels like it's something
0: different. <laughs> Which is a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I guess. What my, about you, yeah, my my answer would be um we have very sandy soil. And so organic matter has been is been high on the list um for our management. And then also the cost. So I was using a lot of compost. And I always say that managing a farm that has soil is like feeding an elephant, you know, they just like the water and nutrients leach out of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it takes a lot of water, but the more organic matter we're adding to the soil, you know, the better water retention that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, So the sand, managing the sand has been probably the biggest piece. Um, Erosion, because we are, -hmm. we do have, you know, some hilly areas as well. Um, And then, we manage the top part of our um, farm and the lower part uh, differently because the soil structure down below is much different in the upic. Um, so, but I would say the sand has probably been the biggest um, part mm-hmm. of our management plan of what we've been doing um, from year to year. And that's been cover crop. And um, I started out using. You know, We've tried a bunch of different types of cover crop rye and all kinds of stuff. And I've mm-hmm. switched to a, a fancier uh, fancier mix here recently. But yeah, I would say just the sand has been our mm-hmm. biggest hurdle.
2: And, and I think one thing that was kind of surprising for Lindsay is, is testing her high tunnels. Um, she's been adding chicken litter
1: mm-hmm. over
2: the years. Mm-hmm. And she knows her pH was like around 7.2, 7.3. I can't remember what well, was getting mm-hmm. too high. Well, it's probably from the chicken litter because it will raise the pH. So it, Depending on the source, I guess. But you know, mm-hmm. a lot of time chicken litter can be more alkaline, more high. And so at that point I told Lindsay, says, I wouldn't use any more chicken litter right now. Mm-hmm. And she had mm-hmm. plenty of organic matter. So I'd just back off for, for a season, you know,
1: mm-hmm. without adding. Yep. Well, um, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us today. It was fun to have you here hear your passion for dirt. <laughs>
2: dirt. There's there evaluation because someone's getting a bad review. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: just, I I honestly, I learned every time we talk, I learned something from you. I mean, every time we talk, um, it well about soil, not right, every time we right, talk, yeah. Wow. Um, but I, <laughs> like in general, right? Yeah. No, I just, I appreciate you taking your time out of your schedule because I know you're busy and getting well, ready to leave town to get your big award. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing
2: me out here. I appreciate the compliments, Lindsay. Yeah. And saying it's, it's, it goes both ways. Uh, Lindsay, Chan, I'm not sure. I don't know you very well, but I know Lindsay is mm-hmm. an amazing farmer. And I learn things from Lindsay all the time as well. So the, the knowledge goes, the knowledge exchange goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Lindsay's excellent. She does great. And she's very knowledgeable. And just walking around her property, just her just random name and naming flowers and bushes and stuff. I have no idea what they even are. Just her knowledge <laughs> base. So it's, it's, it's impressive.
1: So thank you. Yeah, of
2: yeah. And she paid me to say that.
1: Oh, so. I was going to
0: say, she's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> she is not cool. Don't
1: say that. i okay,
0: advertisement.
1: Yeah, paid paid Lindsay advertisement. No, thank you. I appreciate
0: that. Uh, Okay, guys. Thank you again for joining us. We really love it when you guys tune in and share with us all the things that you loved. If you have some follow-up questions, share it to us. We can bug Marcus and get some answers over to you guys if you have any follow-up or maybe a part two with all of your questions, a spill the dirt part two. Spill the soil, mm-hmm. part two. <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
1: <Spill
0: the soil. laughs> uh, if you have a friend or another farmer who needs some inspiration, growing info, you know, obviously please share a podcast. We love it. It's really, honestly, the best compliment you can give us. Uh, head over to our Instagram at Dirt on Flowers and drop us a message. Let us know what you're loving. We really do love chatting with you. Okay, guys, thanks again for listening in. We'll see you at the same time, same place next week.